But at a certain point, whoever you're kind of modeling yourself after, whether it's a parent or a sports icon or, you know, some great actor or performer, you're not them. You have your own set of strengths that they don't have and skills that they do not have access to. And if the focus becomes only on emulating what has been this idea of ideal, I should say, of success that has been kind of drawn up to be so great and the only outlet in your mind that can hold you back and keep you from fully expressing what you do and um, coming into what your strengths are. This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 45 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that believes in the power of story. Story being of benefit to the person who is sharing the tale, but also to those of us listening. I don't know how often we get the opportunity to revisit key chapters of our lives. I don't feel like it's often enough. And so in that way, sharing one's story is of benefit to them, the teller of the tale. They really get that chance to reflect on key pivotal moments of their lives. And equally, I think it's of value to those of us who are listening to that person sharing their journey, because we get to take away what they've learned and hopefully find ourselves in their story, find ourselves in a similar challenge or of that we're coming from a similar place, even if we have lived an entirely different life or pursued an entirely different passion. So this week, we pick up where we left off with James Roberts IV, who in part one shared with us his journey of moving from Tennessee to New York City to pursue the craft of being an actor. We culminated that story, that initial journey in him being on tour with the production of Hair that he was on, which, just to revisit that a little bit, it was amazing that the very show that he went to go see, his first day in New York, is what he, this giant first break that he had as an actor. And, and in part two, we jump immediately into what happens next. What happens after that giant break? What happens when you really return to the grind with a great piece on your record, a, a great jewel of a performance, but you do have to return to, as he describes it, the grind of becoming an actor and maintaining a career as an actor in New York City. This was fascinating to me because I have friends that have done this, but I had never really thought about the fact that everyone that pursues this path 
is in somewhat the same arena because you have to you have to have a schedule that allows you to uh, take part in auditions in the day in the morning so that means you have to choose work that allows you to to do the work at night which creates a very inter- interesting set of challenges in addition to all the other normal challenges of of being a performer and so we go into that. How do you take that initial spark and keep going? And this is where his multi-hyphenate storyline comes into play. You know, he does so many different things, and this episode is focused on how yoga came into his life, not only as a personal practice that helped him as an individual, but also as a very pragmatic solution to this problem of the grind. So I, I I love this where you take two things that maybe don't exactly often, let's put it this way. You don't always immediately go actor, yoga teacher, but he found a way to marry those two things in a way where they were really a symbiotic relationship. And that's what I love about this is we go into his story of how he does these different things, pursues these different forms of art, and yet they all have a through line. And yoga enables the acting and vice versa. His getting these jobs in acting enabled him to do uh, a, a teacher training, and a very intensive. So I really hope that you enjoy this interview. Uh, he has so many diverse interests that we could have probably four parts but we're going to, uh, without further ado, leap right into the conversation. So if you want to check out what James is doing, you can go to jamesrobertsiv.com. That is jamesrobertsthefourth.com as the numeral IV. You can check him out on Instagram with his acting and performing at jamesroberts96. That's the number nine and six. And specifically for his yoga, that is at Yoga. On Instagram. And without further ado, please enjoy part two of James Roberts IV's Epic Ordinary Life. So we, we return to that moment of you on this capping off this tour, being in Tokyo, and this desire to keep doing things that you love with your life. How did you put it exactly? Uh, I remember asking for more opportunities to do what I love. And again, what drew me to wanting to interview you in addition to, um, I was talking to Ben Dawson, actually our mutual friend. And and he, he mentioned you at one point and it reminded me that you were doing all these things. So you have done a lot of things and we we're going to get into yoga. We're going to get into how that all ties together but I'd love for you to take us to where all of it fits in from the aftermath of this tour. I, I would imagine you you had to quit that job to to tour. So suddenly the tour ends, mm-hmm. and now you're in this kind of different place. You 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 know you're kind of starting, I guess, fresh now. You've got a huge thing on your resume. Mm-hmm. So where do we go after that? Um, we kind of start the, the New York actor grind of it all. 
you know, um, it's auditions in the morning, it's working at night. My work was mainly retail. I had not had any restaurant experience. So, um, and I'm not good at lying in terms of, in terms of like faking skills to get jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, I mainly worked in retail in the evenings and I would, I would audition during the day. And, you know, fit classes in when I could um, for as long as I could. Um, but like that's, it's, it's, it becomes, uh, it becomes basically a money game at that point because you have to make enough money in the evenings to, so that you can have your days free to audition as much as you need to be available. Cause it's generally like peak grind times. You have to be available from like 9am to 4 or 5pm for whatever Mm. um and things change at last minutes all the time so your days can't be too constricted in terms of your times so that was kind of what I got into from there for then for um yeah I think what the next I didn't get a job again until summer 2014 yeah Hmm. Hmm. So the, the schedule sounds grueling because you've got to, as you say, you've got to make enough in the evenings to be able to have like full freedom of schedule during the day. So I would imagine if you're doing like a waiting, waiting job, you, you've got pressure to hit like almost like you're trying to close enough sales deals. Mm hmm to fund the, the, it's like, it's like you're a vampire or something. You've got the nightlife and the daylife and the nightlife feeds the daylight. It's, woof. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the most fun thing to do. Uh, I wish there were a better way um, because it, it just feels like as it feels like the jobs that performers who, um, for whom this route is the kind of the way to make the, get to the, where they want to go. Um, the jobs that you have to do are often less than rewarding. It's probably either retail or waiting tables or uh, what else do people do? Some people like work the overnight at hotels. It's like, they, it's like, it feel it. And I know maybe this is just for me. It felt like my skill set set in terms of like customer service, where I think I could, you know, at the time I had had a lot of experience, a lot of relevant experience and I was like, I wish I could use that in the evenings mm. to make money. But like those customer service jobs were pretty much all nine to fives. And I was like, oh. like yeah. So it's a funnel. It, like you, the, everybody then has to, who wants this path has to go through the same. It's like hard. There's not many options for another, a, another bladder or something like you had it, because it has to be at night. Did, did you, so like, was that exhausting? I'm trying to think of a more eloquent way to put it, but I would imagine you're not sleeping probably enough. No, no, I was not. Um, I definitely was not because you have to, especially if you're, um, I don't want to get too much to insider baseball here, but like at the time I was still non-union. So um, if you are a non-union performer, um, in theater, you have to show up a lot earlier at auditions to get seen. 
meaning you have to wake up earlier, get there earlier, be prepared earlier. So there's less, even less time. Why? Um, because the union um, performers get uh, priority oh. because of their status um, in terms of getting to aud- getting seen at auditions for union shows. And the union shows are like actual Broadway and like those level of shows. Yes. <laughs> so how do we get from this? I mean, it's what an interesting journey. You know, we go from almost no experience to the heights of this experience to Mm -hmm. the grind. I mean, it's like you go to the top of the mountain, but then you have to go down to the catacombs or something. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking mythically about this and, and how do we get from there, this chapter of all this work to all of these things that you enter with your life from yoga to, I mean, take it away. Yeah, it becomes, I had wanted to, let's just bring yoga into the picture for a second. Yoga came into the picture after I had gotten back from tour. I felt like there was a little bit of a, I don't know, a spiritual awakening kind of between, between the show. The show was a very, you know, you have to, to do that show right. You kind of have to give your heart to it. You kind of have to like open yourself up a little bit. Um, And then of course the experiences in Japan um, with that, especially, you know, just walking around all those temples and the sacred gardens and like you feel things there. Um, It opened up something a little bit and um, I had been intrigued by yoga. It had been a part of my dance training previously, but never like I I was not taking specific yoga classes until after that tour 2013. And I just felt like I was able to more easily kind of get through those hurdles, those obstacles of like feeling that I didn't have enough, like either on the resume to like kind of push things forward. Or if I, there were, it felt like there were mental obstacles because of either being too inexperienced or having this one thing on my resume and not living up to it when I go in the room. Oh, interesting. Wow. So it sets this such a high expectation that if on that day you're 90% of what you're capable of. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And so I was dealing with a lot of that kind of the imposter syndrome of it all. Like you probably didn't deserve this. That was what the evil voice in my head was saying. <laughs> and, and like, the yoga helped me move through that in a real way. And it was also something that I enjoyed. It was something where I could set my own schedule and they, there are evening classes. So I was just thinking, okay, maybe this is something I want to do in the future. So I kind of made a promise to myself, like the next time I have a good chunk of money, I'm going to get certified to teach. Um, and so I go, you know, what was that? 20, we're, we're around like 2014-ish now. I have a pretty good year, 2014, do about three additional shows, regional shows around the country. 2015, I do another two, three regional shows and then book another tour. So very grateful for that. <laughs> book the producers. That was very last minute, very much. We need somebody, send us a video. Okay, you got the job. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> booked that and then that was the tour where when I finished I had enough money to get certified 
And of course, like literally the day after I put my down payment down for the certification, I get called for two other gigs. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) what a, what a great problem. I was like, I really want to do these gigs, but I'm like, I have paid for this. This is the time that I've certified that I set aside for this. And I knew that the certification price was going to go up if I waited even longer. Yeah. So I was just like, I I need to do this now. I need to do this now. I'm doing this now. And it, it turned out to be a wonderful experience to just have though it, it was a one month kind of intensive sort of um uh program where i got certified and so having that one month of kind of intense self-study intense physical practice was another time to kind of dive in and connect with myself and like how i interact with the world and how i'm able to better use my energies and regulate them and like a project and yeah and yeah express them I should say rather than project express them and uh yeah from there I started um teaching mainly my friends just to get some experience just like it's like you have an hour let's go to a park I'm gonna like you know you know give you a class yeah take <laughs> you through a flow <laughs> yeah we'll do a flow and just just a lot of that for kind of the first little bit wound up getting a job at a new studio in Brooklyn and did that for a while. And then around 2019 is when I was like, yoga was my primary source of income if I wasn't performing. And, and you, that could work. Uh, I would, it seems like with the schedule required of the, of the grind. Yeah. Cause I could, Especially, yeah, I could teach early in the mornings and in the evenings. I could do that. And that's what made it um, made it a, a reasonable option, definitely. Especially after I did get in the union eventually, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to be at the studios at like 6 and 7.30 in the morning. I could teach at those times, go to the studio, have my full day of auditions, and then maybe teach after. Mm-hmm. That was, it was, it was... Yes, there were um, spiritual things drawing me to it, but there were also practical aspects that I could kind of see, like I can plan my schedule. That's something that's sustainable for me. And it's also a practice that kind of gave back to me. I didn't want to only have jobs that felt like they were taking and draining Mm -hmm. away. Depleting the tank. Yes, because uh, once again, New York does that enough anyway. (laughs) Yeah, well, th- I think that's what's so interesting is that you know some folks that don't know yoga or aren't super into it or or whatever they they just haven't had experience with it. They may look and go, "Well, it's a it's a physical discipline. Mm-hmm. My hamstrings are super tight. This will help mitigate this." But it's when when we go to your initial experiences, it really seems more, as you said, spiritual, more helping you navigate all these things that you can't control mm-hmm. in this situation. Would would you say that that's an accurate? Yeah, like that that this was as much about the the mental and emotional component as it was about the physical component. Yes, yes. So, what I'm always interested with people that are polymaths, Renaissance people, jack of all trades, whatever you want to call it, uh, multi hyphenate. I think is how you call it. I've yes. also <laughs> heard it called multi potentialite. 
I think maybe that has more to do with what you're interested in. Anyway, I'm always interested when people are very much in two worlds that are mm-hmm. not the same world. You, you know, you've gone deep into yoga. You've obviously gone deep into various forms of performance and art and, and acting. I guess a question is like, has, has the, the lessons you've learned in one, besides what we just said about how yoga can help you navigate the uncontrollable or regulation or however you would put that, but is there anything from one world that helps you with this seemingly unrelated world of yoga or vice versa? It's a good question. I think what um, is, is top of mind right now is the fact that yoga is about being, a huge part of it is about being present with where you are in the moment and like, you know, future is only exists in your mind, the past kind of the same. It, it's, not, it's not tangible. What's happening right now is and if we can stay in that, that's where a lot of the suffering begins to melt away. Mm. If you're not completely um, attached to some future that's in your mind or some past that has, you know, kind of painted you into a corner. Um, and with performance and kind of a lot of my other artistic endeavors as well, it comes down to being present and being able to express and respond to what's happening now and in the moment. I mean, that's a huge part of acting. That's, I feel that that's a huge part of, you know, writing is as well, like speaking to what's happening with your experience now, speaking what's happening to maybe a more universal experience at this moment. Um, and not being so tied down to what may have been the the normal in the past. Mm, the normal in the past. Yeah. Because that can define you maybe negatively in a way. A residue of, of what has already been can color what is possible. Yes. Huh. You know, I think that this is a great place to go to a, a, a blog article or, and I think this was just an Instagram post that you did. Uh-huh. You quoted the Bhagavad, uh, okay, help me pronounce the ancient Hindu text. Bhagavad Gita. Thank you. That prevented me from, <laughs> I mean, mostly butchering that, but I, I want to go to this quote because I think it, it so aligns with what we've been talking about, about what is, what is your path? What is my path and what is not? And, and what is not my work and what is it? And so I, I want to go here uh, just for a moment. I'm going to let you really extrapolate it. And I'm just going to read the quote really quickly. I'm not going to read your quotes. I'm going to read the quote from the text. Mm-hmm. It is better to strive in one's own Dharma than to succeed in the Dharma of another. Nothing is ever lost in following one's own Dharma, but competition in another's Dharma breeds fear and insecurity. I want to go here with you because being an actor and having to compete on a day-to-day basis 
I, I, perhaps we should define the term Dharma for folks that are listening. Absolutely. Um, it's, I loosely define as like life's work, life's purpose, um, where it's like where your strengths and like passions lie. And so, you you know, this quote resonated with you and I mean, your literal uh, quote was, I can't even begin to explain how much this spoke to me. So I'd, I'd like to go to that topic because this isn't just about acting. Of course. This is about every single one of our lives. And, and so I, let's go there. It is better to strive in one's own dharma than to succeed in another's dharma. Yeah. I think it comes down to a couple of things. A, what's on top of my mind right now is redefining that idea of success um, where we see success is often defined by what we see. And I think that works up to a certain point in terms of giving us maybe a blueprint or like something to kind of shoot for. But at a certain point, whoever you're kind of modeling yourself after, whether it's a parent or a sports icon or, you know, some great actor or performer, you're not them. You have your own set of strengths that they don't have and skills that they do not have access to. And if the focus becomes only on emulating what has been this idea of ideal, I should say, of success that has been kind of drawn up to be so great and the only outlet in your mind that can hold you back and keep you from fully expressing what you do and um, coming into what your strengths are. And these that concept really sits with me kind of all the time because like you mentioned, there was a lot of competition in acting. I can go to any audition and know that there are people there who already have the Broadway credits. There are people there who, you know, sing up and down the scale with ease and dexterity that I will never do. There are people there who can, you know, kick their face and do triple pirouettes on command. Like this is just the reality of where I am. And I have to go into these situations knowing that there are certain qualities that I bring to the room that are valuable, that are going to make a contribution. And whether it's me getting this job or not, if it involves me maybe creating work on my own, these are all success. And if I define success only by having 14 billion Broadway credits, um, if I never get that, then I have a fail- I'm a failure, even if maybe, I don't know, I've, you know, created a business or written a web series or like, you know, released music, like these all, these things all cease to be worthy of celebration and, you know, some um, definition of success because my definition of success has been defined by, you know, how many credits do I have? How much is in my bank account? It's beautiful. And it, and it's, it's like, 
in some ways it seems like it's getting out of the way of the mind that can only attach some external reality to happiness. Mm -hmm. But that's hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yes, that's hard to do on a, on a day to day, especially, I mean, in, in really all the things that you are a part of. And if we had four hours, we could, could, maybe we'll have a part, maybe we'll have a part three and part four. Cause we're probably going to, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways we could go with this. And, and I think this is probably going to be a two part series, uh, to give to give it good uh, bites to go back to your language, but um, how do you with all of the things that you do, which again we could we could go deeper into the other ones, the YouTube series, the uh, the 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 acting that you do, uh, in in well, I mean the singing that you do. I mean all of these things require, um, really leaning into what you are. And, and, and the skills that are uniquely yours, but you're also putting them out there in the world. And and by nature of being a performer, it seems like it would be easy to gravitate toward competition or toward some linear view of success or failure. How do you navigate that? Yeah, it's it's definitely the easiest thing to do because that's what you see. And that's what you see people celebrating all the time. Um, it's, you know, this may, this may come off a little bit like I'm complaining, but I just know that in my world, I have friends and like, even myself, like if I release music or if my friends release music, it feels like it's not celebrated as much as if we book some show. It can be any show, but some, it feels like that outside stamp of someone else chose you to do something else seems to be more valued than I created this. I put this out. I'm celebrating this. I, I choose to deem this worthy of being seen by the people. It seems like those impulses are less celebrated until someone else on the outside has validated them. And so you have to really fight the urge for that outside validation to be the only measure of success because everything around you from the Instagram likes to, you know, who's getting the press releases, who's getting um, the shout outs and retweets and all these things, um, it seems those things only happen once some outside force has quote unquote chosen you. Hmm. And ironically, if you are releasing a song that is deeply resonant with you and, and is just coming out of you. So it's coming out of your entire life in some ways that you could argue that's a more vulnerable offering to the world then, I mean, you could make the argument the other way, but in some ways I could make a very strong argument. I think that that is a more vulnerable place that you're coming from than performing something someone else created. Yeah. <sighs> so, I mean, I guess when I think of that, I agree with you. And maybe if I'm trying to change my own small sphere of the world Maybe I can be more aware of how, where I do that, where I align 
what I give attention to based on what other people are giving attention to versus, I mean, it's kind of like when you find the, the Vietnamese restaurant or whatever that nobody knows about. That's amazing. In some ways that's, I mean, not that you don't want people to know about it and for it to continue being in business, but in some ways that's more special to find the things that you really love that are core to you and core to the performer mm-hmm. who put them out there. Hmm. Well, again, we could keep going. I would like to go maybe to the lightning round if you're okay sure. to just do a little bit more. Absolutely. This section, uh, by the way, I should say uh, <laughs> there are a million other directions we could go in. Uh, you're returning to Chattanooga, uh, all of the different things, but we're going to stop there, maybe have another one if you're down for another round uh, at some point. But let's let's go to, I, I'm aiming these to be takeaways. And the first one I want to go to is um, everybody. So I, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with what people view to be a wonderful everyday life day. There's probably a better way to say that. I'm interested in what someone's ideal way, uh, ideal day looks like. Um, and I don't mean the day where you win you know, the lottery and you go and get on a cruise and consume, you know, shrimp or whatever, you know, like anybody or or like buy a Lamborghini or something. Neither one of those sound good to me. So I don't know why they were the first examples, but what does an ideal day look for you look like for you? Uh, I would say the ideal day looks like for me, it involves Definitely some sort of creativity, like I'm probably going to be maybe writing a song or like taking pictures or like shooting something or like some something like that will happen. Um, I will probably have some sort of yoga or meditation moment or breathing moment at some point. I would have a wonderful conversation with an old friend. I would be able to explore the outside, um, preferably a beach of some sort. It doesn't have to be some fancy resort beach, but a beach, preferably. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it would, you know, maybe end with, you know, I don't know. Some again, like maybe some time with a loved one. I don't. Yeah, I think I think um, it involves like creativity and you know cultivating personal relationships that are significant to me. I think those are if it involves both of those things, um, it's probably a pretty good day. Yeah, it's a it's it, what we're talking about really is cooking. I feel like we're we're talking about the re- the ingredients, yeah, of a good recipe of of uh, of your life. Mm-hmm. In line with that, I'm interested in how people view the notion of work. We've been talking a lot about work in this conversation. We've been talking about creative art and how that still has to have a component of performance uh financially you know it has to have a capitalistic component and and we all for the most part unless you have been granted a trust fund or something almost everybody is going to have to work a lot 
And I'm fascinated by how people view the notion of work. Some people say, you know, the classic quote, which I've seen attributed to multiple people, but I think Mark Twain, something like, I'm paraphrasing, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And then on the other hand, you've got folks that are like rise and grind and, you know, sleep three hours and drink 40 cups of coffee and just grit your teeth. And there's, those are two different types of energy. Mm -hmm. It certainly doesn't have to be binary. Yeah. But where do you sit with work? I think, I think the work, the definition of work shifts um, in terms of what your circumstances are. Like, yes, there is the practical aspect of paying the bills and there's the practical aspect of making sure that you're able to sustain a certain level of life but then I think it's also work to understand to get a deeper understanding of yourself I think like self-work is work too because that is not easy and I think once you but I also think it's valuable because once you have that knowledge that comes from that you're better able to use it in every aspect of your life, including the practical aspects that will help you make a living and progress in those areas as well. So I think, I think that definition of work is fluid for me. It kind of shifts depending on what I need right now. I happen to be in a place right now where I like I, I am living with the parents. The you know the day to day like grind, make this money, make my rent concerns that I had in New York all the time, they're a little bit alleviated right now. I'm very grateful for that. So the work shifts to how do I build this business um, online with the yoga? And also how do I develop myself so that I'm able to show up in a way for um, a lifestyle of work that doesn't have someone else telling me when to show up. Hmm. Entrepreneurial. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Last question for now. Uh, well, second to the last, because we're going to give folks an opportunity to, uh, for you to share where they can find you. But um, I, I'm always fascinated with key pivotal lessons or pieces of advice that people have been given. I mean, it's just so amazing how one moment can be such a high leverage thing that somebody said. Um, I remember Oprah Winfrey saying, uh, she was just really struggling in her childhood to not feel beautiful or loved. And it was like an aunt or a grandma or someone said, said some simple line to her. And I think she attributes that as being just something that gave her a sense of worth, a single line. It wasn't even a piece of advice. It was a piece of, of seeing her. And for other people, it's, it's an actual pragmatic piece of advice that someone was given and for other people, it was just a life lesson from, you know, living. And so for you, is there a, a piece of advice, life lesson, life experience, et cetera, that comes to mind for you that was incredibly pivotal? What is top of mind right now and that continues to resonate me with me is your authenticity is your superpower. Um, I, I don't, I think 
that wording might be mine, mm. but the um, I th- I'm pretty sure the impulse behind that came from a performer whose work I'm very much an admirer of, Bill- Billy Porter. And um, just the idea of the things that make you unique and the things that are super authentic to you that are might that aren't quite so mainstream if you are able to lean into them and understand them a little bit more and understand how you can use those things those are what make you stand out from everyone else those are what's going to make you invaluable to kind of the greater human experience, <laughs> if, if I want to speak broadly. Um, and that is, that is something that I'm working to embody pretty much every day. And it's requiring a lot of me um, in, in ways that I haven't had, like it's just, it's just requiring things that I haven't had to um, deliver on a consistent basis before. Because mm. like, it's one thing to be authentic and show up for yourself like in an audition room for two, three minutes at a time, three, five days a week. But when you're trying to do that with every single interaction, not only with other people, but with yourself and with how you present yourself on social media, with how you just like every single aspect, you, let me speak for myself. I, it, um, it just requires a lot and I'm just learning what, what that means for me. But I think once again, like I said earlier with the, that definition of work, I think once I have a better understanding of what those things are and how I can use them, it's gonna be for the best. So yeah, your authenticity is your superpower. Your authenticity is your superpower. Very much like what we were talking about with that quote about living your own dharma. Mm-hmm. Um, did you make a conscious decision to be like, I'm not going to just live in this way or I'm going to aspire to live in this way more than I have? Yes, that was a decision. That is a huge, a hugely powerful aphorism to maybe keep. And that's something that I'm going to be thinking about is like how I love the word weird. You know, how can you live in more of your unique weirdness? And I think that's very much in line with what you're talking about with your authenticity. Well, it's been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it. It's deeply benefited me. And for those that have heard this, who are interested in the plethora of things that you do, (laughs) who may want to study yoga with you, who may want to check out your YouTube channel, I would love for you to share with folks what's the best way to find you. Absolutely. Um, Everything is going to be accessible from James Roberts the fourth. So that's James Roberts, the letter I, the letter V.com. You can get to everything from there. There is a James Roberts yoga.com. If you're more specifically interested in yoga, um, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram um, with more of my performance stuff. It's at James Roberts nine, six. And with the yoga stuff, it is J 
Roberts Yoga. So pretty much those are the best ways to get in contact with me to find out more about me and what I'm doing. Um, the Instagrams are updated a little bit more frequently than the website. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a prolific, especially, I mean, I, I, I guess I followed more with the yoga initially. Mm -hmm. um, you are offering a lot uh, and you're also sharing, I mean, one of my favorite parts about your yoga Instagram is the stories of your own life that then you tie to this greater theme that you're, you're, you're teaching with. So yeah, I would encourage folks to check it out. Uh, I think I'm going to take a yoga class with you. Uh, I'm going to show up for one of those uh, because my wife has been using uh, a YouTube channel for yoga and I'm ready to have my, my own uh, unique experience. So I'm absolutely, I'm, you'll probably see my name on there, but uh, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Um, and whoever's listening, I mean, let, say, say your aphorism again, take it, take land the plane with the aphorism. Uh, for those listening, here, here's the, the lesson of the day or whatever. Your authenticity is your superpower. Thanks so much, James. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed part two with James Roberts IV. I, I think it's inspiring, even if we're not in that grind that he described, that, that he personally was in, and anyone probably that pursues that path, even if we're not on that path, I think his, how yoga, how this passion and how this path really helped him, I think that that can apply to any of us. You know, what is the doorway? What is the option that we are not considering that could be in alignment with who we are and, and yet could maybe also help us tackle whatever obstacles we, we find in front of us at the moment? If you're enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a part of the ride. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to give me feedback in whatever direction, you can email me at Aaron at EpicOrdinaryLives.com, A-A-R-O-N. If there's things that you particularly enjoy, if there are suggestions, I appreciate all of it. Also, you can write a review on Apple iTunes. That's extremely helpful as is sharing the podcast with a family member or friend if a particular episode was, was particularly meaningful for you. I will be back two Thursdays from now for another episode of Epic Ordinary Lives. So until then, take care of yourself.